Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 123 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, hungover! <laughs> yeah, me too a little bit. Um, we can get to the particulars of how we've both ended up feeling a little bit rough this morning in a sec. Sure. However, how are you in general outside of that? I'm absolutely fine outside of a hangover. It's the first hangover I've had in a long time actually, so... As much as I want to just disappear and hide in, under my blankets for the rest of the, the day, the week, whatever it takes to get over it nowadays that I'm almost 40, I feel okay beyond that. I'm quite proud of my hangover to an extent. <laughs> Definitely. Wear it like the badge of honour that it is. Yes, absolutely is. Now, Mitch, what have you been watching this week? Well, I've kind of decided that seeing as Amazon Prime is not great at keeping us informed generally about what's being added, mm-hmm. seeing as we know that we've got this Blumhouse block of stuff, this welcome to the Blumhouse thing, sure, yeah. for the next couple of weeks, they've got two films this past week and two more coming this Tuesday, I've decided that I'm just going to watch all four of them and talk about them week on week. Okay, cool. Nice. Figured it was a reasonable thing to kind of devote our attentions to. So I watched the first two, which dropped on Tuesday the 6th this week. So one good, one bad, I would say. Right, okay, which one do you want to start with? I'm going to start with a good one, I think. Um, So I watched Black Box this week. Black Box is about a guy who loses his wife and also his memory in a car crash. So he's looking after his daughter and he undergoes this experimental treatment to kind of go back and relive some memories and stuff like that. And it causes him to kind of question who he is. It's very difficult to not compare these kinds of things to Black Mirror now. When it's technology that grows on your head and it involves questioning who you really are and things like that, it's hard to not file it kind of in the Black Mirror box, if you like. And it is, it does remind me of an episode of Black Mirror, apart from the fact that it's probably better than most of the recent Black Mirror output. This is pretty clever, it's pretty twisty, um, it's pretty well acted, the emotional core to it is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. I like this quite a bit. I would say that it probably throws an awful lot of layers of crazy on top of crazy as it goes on. What's actually going on gets a little bit labyrinthian. I would say if you are watching it, don't do anything else while you're watching it. You know, like, I don't have it on in the background. Yeah. Because it does get quite cerebral as it goes on. But yeah, check it out. I was far more enamoured with Black Box than I was with The Lie. Yeah, I figured you were going to get to the bad now. So what's the problem with The Lie? So The Lie was made in 2018. I'm not sure what the story is with this ending up being on this slate. I'm not sure what the process was there at all. So what you have with The Lie is Mirel Enos and Peter Sarsgaard. Right, okay. Both of whom I'm a fan of play this couple whose daughter, played by Joey King, who has a history of being in stuff that I don't like, to be honest. Um, in fact, has a history of being in stuff that I hate, to be honest, is in this. And she plays their daughter and very early on in the film, and this sounds quite spoilery, but it's not. This all happens in the first five, ten minutes. So Peter Sarsgaard is driving her to this um, this ballet school or something like that. It's like something that her and her friends do every year. Sure, okay. So he's driving her along and she sees one of her friends by the roadside, I think waiting for a bus. So they're going to the same place. So she's like, oh, dad, can we pick her up? 
they do and they head off on their way a little bit later i think that they need to pee or something so they both jump out of the car and disappear off into the woods they are gone for a little while peter sarsgaard gets suspicious he goes in to try and find them and it transpires that joey king's character has pushed her friend from a bridge and killed her wow so he comes and finds her sitting on this bridge friends nowhere to be found she's like oh i pushed her so what follows then is this kind of film with a real kind of lifetime drama feel to it to a large extent i think but a very classic kind of how far would you go to protect the ones you love type thing oh wow okay. um and yeah i don't like this at all to be honest i like peter sarsgaard a lot in particular I, I i think he's great and he's good in as much as you can do with this material i suppose <laughs> in this but like uh the lie is at its dullest moments a kind of fairly rote family drama slash thriller and at its worst moments is this kind of like brazenly silly thriller that doesn't really stand up to scrutiny and what i will say is i won't say what the twist is but you know that thing where a twist happens and your initial response is like oh christ i didn't see that coming Mm -hmm. and then a second later you're like right the reason that i didn't see that coming is because it is the single stupidest possible outcome. <laughs> and you're like, right, okay, unexpected does not mean good. That twist was surprising, but it was also stupid. <laughs> so th- I would say that this is kind of like a competently made but extremely dry, air quotes, thriller for most of its runtime, and then a maddeningly stupid one for the last five minutes. Do you feel that you were uh, perhaps prejudiced against the film from the outset because Joey King's in it? I've got no strong feelings either way about Joey King I don't think she's particularly bad or good in things like I just think that she's habitually in things that I can't hack a list to which we can now add the lie wow sounds like you hate her I don't hate her I did hate the lie though however like I say if you're going to check out one of these two uh, from Welcome to the Blumhouse this week Black Box is really really interesting I liked it a fair bit I'd be curious to know what other people think about it particularly if you like things like Black Mirror and stuff like that so that's about my lot, really. What about you? I kind of spent some time on Amazon Prime as well this week. And I, okay. I mentioned this on my Twitter. I went back and started re-watching the TV series of The Exorcist. Right, okay. I think this is great. I know a lot of people put a lot of stock in the premature cancellation of Hannibal, which is absolutely justified, I think. But I feel that more people should be talking about The Exorcist and its premature cancellation because I think it's really great. See, I've never watched this, but I do remember at the time, one, when it was announced, there was this inevitable pushback because of the property that we were dealing with. And I don't know, I've got a limited threshold for that kind of chat, as you know. But I do remember at the time that a lot of people were kind of talking about it and saying that it's like not surprisingly good, but kind of like this holds up in a way that people who might have an issue with the fact it exists at all might be able to look past. Mm -hmm. So remind me, for one thing, did this get cancelled after two seasons? It did, yeah. Two, both seasons are, avail- are okay. available on Amazon Prime, by the way. And I can't, I can't okay. recommend you okay. checking them out enough. Um, but yeah, it's uh, unsurprisingly the story of two priests. Yeah, I was going to ask how it functions in relation to kind of like the universe from the films. Well, that kind of broadens out towards the end of the first season, I would say. I don't want to give too much away because it's quite cool uh, how, the, okay. the, how the first season draws to a close. Yeah, I mean, I could I could talk about it and, and kind of dive into it in greater detail, but I think that would be doing the series a disservice to an extent. Historically, I haven't been a massive fan of anything that's kind of come after The Exorcist 3. Okay. Um, but this is good. This is really good, and it deserves a watch. And it, like I say, it should be mentioned up there with things that, that have been cancelled prematurely. It does feel like something that a lot of people missed first time round, and I'm not just saying that because I did. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's it, it it does feel like it was kind of under discussed given how much the people who did talk about it seem to like it. I have noticed a few instances of dodgy CG that's annoyed me a little bit. If that's the worst there is to say about it, it's doing okay, really. I think. Mm. But yeah, massive recommendation for that. It's massively underseen and underappreciated, and I think uh, yeah, more eyes should be on it. I also got my hands on uh, Kaleidoscope's "I Spit in Your Grave" box set. Oh, I've seen a few people posting about that this week. Yeah, I'm kind of venturing into it with some trepidation because it's not exactly light viewing material. How comprehensive is this? It's got the 1978 film, obviously the I guess the mm-hmm. where it all began film. So it's got the remake and the sequel to the remake. It's also got the third one, Vengeance is Mine, and the most recent one in which original director Miyazaki returns to, for some reason, make a two and a half hour film. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, yeah, Deja Vu, it's called. Christ, okay. Um, So this is not my thing, really. This is not the kind of thing I would seek out for myself, uh, kind of almost ever. But for fans of the series, though, what is there here that they won't have already? That's the thing, there's not a massive amount that's jumping out at me that you probably won't have already seen or that's going to be massively interesting to you. I suppose the biggest thing is the the five films, but uh, we've got six discs here, so there is a bunch of supplementary stuff on here, but I haven't really dug into it in enough depth to be able to speak to the kind of quality of the features on there, but there's not a massive amount, to be honest. Uh, Mm, I did watch the original. And I watched okay. the remake the other day. I think the remake of this is fine. It's uh, nasty as fuck, to be honest. When that, when your original source material is as nasty and as powerful as I spit in your grave is, it's, I guess it's hard to not be like that. That's also to a large extent, I guess, what you're going for. Yeah, absolutely. And for the record, by the way, um, if Rape Revenge remakes are your thing, I would say that Last House on the Left is the far superior one. But yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. I, I, I haven't seen any of the, the, the sequels. I know they played at Fright Fest. Um, I remember the second one did, for sure, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to dig into them, but it's really try to find a time when I can go, do I want to do this to myself? Maybe I'll make a night of it and throw on like something like the Nightingale as well. Luke, could you stop doing that? <laughs> you stop just bumming yourself out with these really nihilistic marathons. Stop it, honestly. <laughs> I have one more thing. Ah! Bitch, what you say from the 90s? So, as we approach the end game of the 90s side quest, I'm not going to lie, I have annexed our patron watch-along um, oh, from last out. night. It is a bit, I'm not going to lie. But uh, yeah, last night we did have a patron's watch-along. Big thank you to everybody that joined in on that. We had a really good time. Hopefully you guys did as well. Yeah, it was great. Um, uh, by the way, massive thanks to your mum for popping on right at the end there. Yeah, guest appearance from Sheila Bain in the in the closing in the closing uh, twenty minutes or so, which was good fun. I haven't seen my parents since February. I really appreciate these things. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was lovely to hear her voice. Yeah. But yeah, the film of choice was Samurai Cop. It was indeed from nineteen ninety one. No longer on Amazon Prime, unfortunately. Uh, disappeared in the last couple of days before we watched it, which was unfortunate. However, there is a pretty good version of it on YouTube if you want to check it out for yourself. And I recommend that you do because it is precisely as silly and as fun as a film called Samurai Cop Sounds. We we did a poll for patrons based on the wheel of names, like the way the way we've done historically for watch alongs that we do. And quite early on uh, during the wheel of names, working its magic, Samurai Cop was eliminated and there was this kind of groundswell of enthusiasm for Samurai Cop so we made the decision to open it up to another vote based on the winning film versus Samurai Cop and uh, Samurai Cop emerging victorious yeah um which which like I say turned out fine I would say um and if anybody does want to watch Killer Sofa that definitely is on Amazon Prime (laughs) 
so thanks to everybody who got involved with that. It was great. If you want to get involved in the next one, you can head over to patreon.com slash scenes and take a look at what's going on over there. Get yourself in on it. Yeah, and I think we'll probably try to do another wider one for everyone fairly soon as well. Yeah, I would imagine that we probably will try and do something a little bit larger scale for everybody too. So, moving on. What have they been saying? Feedback time, loads of stuff this week, and unsurprisingly, a lot of it centred on Bloody Birthday, the subject of the Andy vs. Mitch episode that we released on Friday. Mm. Now, I did characterise this as one of your greatest successes at the time, um, and it seems like a lot of people agreed. There was a lot of love out there for the film, and I want to start with film fan Stevie, just said, wow, that was absolutely amazing. Went in knowing nothing about Bloody Birthday and really liked the film. This deserves a remake, which would be interesting, I think. Oh, absolutely. I'll do it. I know you will. <laughs> Shan, uh, Halloween name Grim Shandango, uh, <laughs> at Herbehore getting in touch to say, love this film choice and episode, enjoyed watching the little nefarious pint-sized killers. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're brilliant. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. That film's amazing. Um, I want to say a quick hello um, to Andrew Barron getting in touch saying, only saw this for the first time a couple of years back, but was massively impressed by it. Really stands out from a lot of the conveyor belt slasher offerings that were coming out in the late 70s, early 80s. Definitely a shame that it isn't talked about more often. Couldn't agree more. Andrew, have to say, I haven't seen a massive amount from that era. The stuff that I have seen, I do find to be a little bit formulaic, or at least a lot of them are. And I felt like this did buck that trend to a large extent. I also want to say hello to Dennis Atherton. Oh, what? Uh, who we haven't heard from in a wee while. Great to hear from you, Dennis. Hope you're doing well uh, in these challenging times. Got in touch, perhaps unsurprisingly, to uh, show us his VHS of Bloody Birthday. Very cool indeed. Of course he has the VHS of Bloody Birthday. He's got everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really um, I really like the, uh, the insights into Dennis's collection that we get uh, sometimes because it really does have some remarkable stuff. Oh, for sure. On Facebook, sticking with Bloody Birthday, Andy McCartan getting in touch to say, I just ordered the 88 Films Blu-ray as it sounds great. It is. Mm-hmm, 100%, yeah. Undead Martins, Einfach Andre getting in touch to say, I instantly ordered the blue after listening. This sounds like the film I hoped Problem Child to be. <laughs> Superb. I uh, want to say hello as well to uh, Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. She was talking a little bit about the film itself and a little bit about the episode. She said, The show is always funny, but I laughed aloud at the Victorian pair of ghost conversation while jogging. Thankfully, it was raining, so nobody was around to give me the look. Great film choice. Hadn't seen this before, but it was really fun, unexpectedly mean-spirited. Great stuff. Yep, we talked about it on the episode, but I totally agree. I think that the fact that this film is so unashamed and the fact that these kids are such little arseholes is great. Well, continuing down the little arsehole road... Chris Skelt's uh-huh. got some thoughts on that. <laughs> right, okay. Chris said, watched this last night and really enjoyed it, and I believe this to be the only time in my life I will listen to someone on a podcast espouse assaulting a child and me then agreeing wholeheartedly. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't want somebody to lamp those kids right in their smug faces, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, they're such little demons. Uh, yes, agreed. Um, Salter Popcorn on Twitter as well. Such a fun episode. Mitch gets quote of the week for the party downer comment. Thank you very much. And also posted a link to uh, his old review of this film, which you can find on our Twitter mentions. Yeah, absolutely. Quite proud of this one. This is coming in from Kean. Uh, very glad to have an mm-hmm. excuse to rewatch Bloody Birthday. You can always count on Andy Makes stuff. To have a quality Andy versus Mitch pick. <laughs> yeah, I did kind of like pretend to take offence at the fact that he said that your picks were great and didn't mention mine. And then Kian did reel off a bunch of mine that he thought were terrible. So um, I think everyone kind of hates it when it's my turn. <laughs> the nation lets out a collective sigh. Yep, you've got that to look forward to next month, everybody. Get stoked. <laughs> 
Uh, Want to say a quick hello once more to Stevie, who is continuing his uh, lockdown burrow through the annals of Amazon Prime shite and was watching something called Octoman. Oh, that's Octoman's great. Uh, well, he posted the poster, inevitably, uh, as he likes to do, and Lauren got in touch saying, Stevie, this looks amazing. Um, Stevie coming out on an existential note on this one. Um, <laughs> concluded, the humans in the film are the true monsters. Octoman was trying to survive and look after its young ones. That's very true. <laughs> it's profound as well. I didn't expect uh, Stevie to be quite so moved by Octoman's plight. There you go. That is just about everything for me. You got anything else? Uh, a couple of things. Uh, going back to Chris Skelp again. He got in touch this week to say that this thing of beauty just dropped through my letterbox. Uh, listened to the split second episode of Strong Violent PC with Matt Glasby the other day and he uh, snapped up Matt's book, The Book of Horror, in the aftermath. You guys all want to be picking that book up, honestly. Yeah, I've got it as well. It's excellent. Yeah, it's awesome. Really, really great. And a big thank you to Matt once again for coming on the show, picking such a great film, having such a laugh with us, but also just uh, giving us an opportunity to talk about this really cool thing that's out there. So yeah, The Book of Horror, go check it out. And the last thing that I've got is coming in from Dave Cooper at the Lux underscore man saying, I was watching The Chase today uh, for any other transatlantic viewers. The Chase is a, a TV quiz show here in the UK where a question came on asking what a chakma was. Instant response from me was baboon. Thank you, Strong Violent PC and Andy Make Stuff for this useless knowledge. It's not useless knowledge. There's no such thing. It's also literally just served a use. Yeah. Big thank you to everybody that got in touch. Uh, really great hearing from you all once again. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline. Any other identifying text will also be gone, and he will have left only the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability, and also to give it a title and a synopsis. We'll obviously open up the floor and let you guys get involved as well. And uh, it wouldn't take much to top mine from last week uh the savage bees reappropriated by me as flies in the face of fear oh, um which was not a particularly good turn of phrase and also mischaracterized bees as flies <laughs> you suck so the bar is incredibly low uh so uh let's take a look at what everybody had to say this week laura bynan emerging etymologist elia petri mixes up the numbers see it go horribly wrong in 1981's attempted reboot by claudio fragasso the flies <laughs> By the way, I didn't even touch on all the feedback that we got from entomologists. Yes, yeah, because there was plenty. James Rodriguez. Martha Taylor, the white Anglo-Saxon daughter of a Protestant family, has been taught to be prim and proper and subservient to any dominant male. Dissatisfied with her station in life, Martha tags along with a group of eco-radicals who are breaking into an animal <laughs> testing facility. After an accident involving a radioactive nest, Martha finds herself able to control winged insects from her body. <laughs> and is intent on fighting back against the patriarchy with a sting in her tail. With a soundtrack by the police, inevitably, yeah. Margot Kidder is Wasp Girl. <laughs> okay. Enjoying that quite a bit. C.P. Buckley on Instagram. After taking the title of the Pearl Jam song B-Girl too seriously, part-time bartender Amy Idiot tries to become the B-Girl. When she takes a high from a nearby science lab, she gets more than she bargained for when her whole body is consumed and supplanted by genetically modified wasps. She's seen as strange murderous compulsions and starts a bloody killing spree in the town of Honeytown, <laughs> with only private investigator Dick Hardman able to stand <laughs> to, to sting her with her. It's the misguided 1986 creature horror sequel, The Hardman Factor 4, Sting in the Tail. <laughs> 
<laughs> I immediately want to watch the first three in the Harpen Factor Absolutely, series. yeah. Who else would you follow this story? Um, Jags365 on Instagram as well, saying what he sees, Murder Hornets. Fine, yeah. Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter, newbie burlesque dancer B. Morris tries to scare off her opposition at a local competition using a swarm of angry wasps. Alas, the wasps turn on their captor too. It's swarm thing, waspies and lace. <laughs> Gorehound, when the brothers Gibb take up beekeeping, they require more than a woman to keep the hive talking. Can the brothers <laughs> Can the brothers give her more than night fever? Can the brothers keep her staying alive? Max Beasley plays all the BG brothers in 1989's You Scared the Bee Jesus out of me. I like that a lot. Chris Ellis, a bizarre beehive accident, leaves model Bee Adore with bees stuck to her face and her career over. But due to the pioneering work of new love interest Dr. Apiaristo and Bees Be Gone Tech, the end is in sight. But bees, bees are jealous and not going to let their honey go without a fight. It's the 1984 Italian classic, What's a Going On With My Bees? And Kevin Matthews on Facebook, there's a sting in the tail of this female seducer, Polly Nater, who lures men to their doom by promising them a buzz before making them break out in hives, including the famous line, get your stinking paws on me in my damn dirty apiary. It's 1979's (laughs) classic, kiss me, honey, honey, kiss me. (laughs) Wow, okay. So, that's uh, the pick of the bunch this week. You have a job to do. Yeah, best character name, Dick Hardman. Of course. Best pitch, uh, Gorham. Okay, so CP and Lewis, big batch of nothing on the way to both of you. Lovely. So, my turn. Yep, uh, are you ready? Oh, go on then. Okay, here it comes now. Oh, yep, mm -hmm, it's arrived. Right, okay. Um, Okay, I quite like this. Okay, border to the image is white. We have got um, a fiery backdrop, I would say. Yes. In the sense that the backdrop is entirely fire. (laughs) We have in front of that what I'm going to characterise as like a schoolhouse, I think. Right. I'm going to go with a schoolhouse. Quite big, quite old looking, quite fancy. uh, Big white pillars against this kind of, uh, this brown building. A couple of people standing in front of it. Looks like a man and a woman. I would have to zoom to say for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. The man is wearing a pale blue suit and the woman is wearing a kind of like light blue to turquoise hat jacket and skirt combo um in the foreground of the image we have got a menacing looking child he's standing with his arms folded his eyes are glowing red he's dressed like a small it consultant he's got a red tie on a white shirt uh (laughs) with short sleeves (laughs) high-waisted jeans slash slacks um, with a brown belt, and uh, he is standing in the shadow of a grim, reapery looking guy. Oh, the kid's eyes are glowing red. I can't remember if I said that. You did. Um, <laughs> okay. worth um, again. <laughs> I think it does bear mentioning. Uh, speaking of creatures with their eyes glowing red, he is standing in front of a grim reaper type figure who uh, has its arms folded. You can see uh, two skeletal hands and also uh, a skeletal skull <laughs> looking out from beneath a black robe. So there you go. Uh, Grim Reaper guy, I'm not going to say Grim Reaper for sure, but like a skeletal hooded person, uh, stands behind a menacing looking child with his arms folded as a schoolhouse sits amid a backdrop of flame. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, um, I think that's just about everything, so uh, let's go with it. Cool, no problem. I'm in it then. Sure. <laughs> Thank you.
do you know what I think I'm going to agree with you Mitch uh, there's a certain grim reapery aspect to this uh, however I would go you were right to withhold the pronouncement of this character as the grim reaper proper because he lacks yeah. the prerequisite yeah, yeah, yeah. side uh, yeah very true I also just don't want to hamstring myself too much you know sure, give myself sure. some room to roam <laughs> let those juices flow unencumbered by like, attaching yourself to a singular character 100% absolutely cast my creative net far and wide well that makes me feel pretty excited about your pitch then um, I wonder how far off book you've gone with that let's just see right okay uh, yeah I think this is okay right it's all changed for a class of third grade students after the arrival of a mysterious new kid. Shy, retiring, and prone to sitting alone reading gigantic dust-covered ancient tomes and muttering what sounds specifically like ancient incantations under his breath, there's definitely something a little off about him. Things take a turn for the sinister when kids in the class start disappearing and kind-hearted teacher Edna Book thinks that the introverted spookworm is responsible. What starts as a deadly fight for survival soon becomes a deadly fight for survival as Edna and good-natured janitor Ernest Custodian take on the forces of evil to save the school in 1978's Back to School B-movie Bonanza, boarding Ghoul 2, cutting class. A for effort, D for death. <laughs> wow. Boarding Ghoul. Yes, uh-huh. um, and I, I quite fancy making this a franchise. I want to do some universe building on this one. I'm not going to do it when the situation doesn't call for it. Okay. But I'm definitely going to, I might try and snake fest this. Oh, Jesus. Right. Sure. For want of a better expression. <laughs> Keep your snake fists to yourself. <laughs> right, moving swiftly on. What is this, and who is synopsizing? Now, can I ask you, what year did you say? 78. Spot on. No way. <laughs> I'll take that. Okay, cool, good start. I'm assuming the similarities end there. Kinda. Okay. The film is the Redeemer, Son of Satan. <laughs> okay, very good. And the synopsis coming in from Jean-Marc Rocher. Jean-Marc Rocher, okay, hit me. Six former classmates receive invitations one day to a high school reunion. When they arrive at their alma mater, however, they find that not only are they the only ones to have received letters, the invitations were actually sent by a deranged preacher intending to murder them as punishment for their wicked ways. Will any of them escape from the remote schoolhouse alive, or will they all meet their final judgment? Yes! Sounds great. Have you seen this? I haven't, no. But what a poster. Very, very curious. Great poster. Great poster. Yeah. Speaking of which, that poster is everywhere now. So uh, by all means, get along to the social media, check it out and get pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be lovely. Turn our attentions then to the streaming platforms for this week. Now, obviously, we're running up to Halloween. Things are picking up. Um, we have got on Amazon Prime, as we mentioned earlier, the next two in the Welcome to the Blumhouse series. They are both arriving on Tuesday the 13th. I'll be talking about them next week. We've got Evil Eye. A seemingly perfect romance turns into a nightmare when a woman becomes convinced that her daughter's new boyfriend has a dark connection to her own past. Ooh. Sounds pretty interesting. Also, Nocturne. Inside the halls of an elite arts academy, a timid music student begins to outshine her more accomplished and outgoing twin sister when she discovers a mysterious notebook belonging to a recently deceased classmate. Both of these sound pretty interesting on paper, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sky Cinema. I want to mention this really quickly. Um, escaped my notice last week, but it's already there. It dropped on Saturday, The Wretched. Oh, wow. Uh, which, obviously, the success story of the summer in America from Brett and Drew Pierce, who you may remember from the Nothing But Trouble episode of this show as well. 
Uh, but yeah, The Wretched, uh, a great film, well worth your time. A defiant teenage boy struggling with his parents' imminent divorce faces off with an old witch who has possessed his next-door neighbour. Also on Thursday the 15th, we've got Butt Boy, the breakout hit of sorts of Fright Fest Glasgow this year. Detective Fox loves work and alcohol. After going to AA, his sponsor Chip becomes the main suspect in his investigation of a missing kid. Fox also starts to believe that people are disappearing up Chip's butt. I hate this film. <laughs> hate it. Um, uh, I really cannot be doing with it at all, but a lot of people did seem to quite like it, so that is available. It's out there, um, and that is from Thursday the 15th. Netflix, we have got not too much, actually, this week, just the one, but what I will say is from next week to Halloween, it really piles it on. Right. A lot of really interesting stuff uh, coming to Netflix uh, between now and Halloween. However, this week, all you've got, Saturday 17th, Rampage. When a strange <laughs> chemical mutates three animals into overgrown aggressive beasts, a primatologist must find an antidote before they destroy the city. And Shudder have got you covered in a huge way this week. I've got to tell you, there are three things landing on Shudder this week, and I'm really struggling to separate them for the pick of the week. Okay, exciting. Because they are legitimately all great. So on Monday, we have got Life Changer. Oh, Justin's film. From Justin McConnell, another former guest, actually. You may remember him from the Ice Cream Man episode of the show. <laughs> but yeah, Life Changer is on Shutter from Monday. A shape-shifting serial killer takes the human forms of his victims until their bodies decay and he's forced to find a new host. After meeting Julia, he finds himself obsessed and will stop at nothing to make things right with her. Also on Monday, Matt Holness' Possum. Oh, wow, okay. That's yes. Uh... Uh, that's not a cheery one. No, after returning to his childhood home, a disgraced children's puppeteer is forced to confront his wicked stepfather and the secrets that have tortured his entire life. And on Thursday, another former guest's film. Jesus. I know. Um, this time, the episode was Burnt Offerings. The guest was Ryan Spindell. His film, The Mortuary Collection, lands on Shudder on Thursday. This was another one that was um, very popular in Fright Fest Glasgow, actually, as well. On the cusp of retirement, an eccentric mortician recounts several of the strangest stories he's encountered in his long career. But things take a turn for the phantasmagorical when he learns that the final story is his own have you seen this yeah i've seen it we got a link to it sure it is great yeah. i love it i think yeah, i think it's probably great i also think that it's an anthology without a weak story i think that considering how ryan spoke about the the long process and the piecemeal way that it was made i think that it all hangs together and it has this very similar feel that i find really easy to get on board with the segment the babysitter murders is one of my favorite shorts that i've seen in a really long time uh, because it was originally a short that kind of got married into this mm-hmm. like i say that's your lot for this week lots and lots of really good stuff but um Shudder, take your pick from those three. Honestly, Life Changer, Possum, and the Mortuary Collection. All great. All I would say for kind of different moods as well. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say the Mortuary Collection. Yeah, get on it. It's it's great. But like I say, you can't really go wrong with any of that stuff. Uh, I would say for week. the season, Mitch, the Mortuary Collection is the one you want to be looking at. You know what? That's right, I would say. Yeah, I would say that it's most in the Halloween spirit. Yeah. So turn the attentions to this week's show, and we do have another guest. Mmm, we do indeed. Uh, one we've been trying to kind of make work for a couple of weeks, so uh, really glad to have him on the show. He is the director of the closing film from the Fright Fest digital event from the summer, mm-hmm. The Swerve. It's Mr. Dean Capsalis. I'm going to tell you what the film is. It might kind of explain away my viewing for this week. Okay. We're going all the way back to 1977 for what is generally considered one of the most reviled sequels of all time. It's John Berman's The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. So, this week, we are talking The Exorcist 2, The Heretic from 1977 with the Swerve director, Dean Capsalis. Now, what I will say is, I had a great time with this chat. Yes, me too. It was really, really fun, and 
I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. However, we would love to know what you think of the film and how you're feeling about this announcement. There's loads of ways you can get in touch with us if you want to talk about that or anything else. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can email Scenes at gmail.com. And you can, of course, interact with other listeners on the Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yeah, and we mentioned it earlier, but why not take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Strong Language Violent Scenes. Bunch of cool stuff up there and plenty more to come very soon i would say yeah if you are on the patreon then keep your eye on the feeds we will be letting you know the other stuff that we've got coming up for october very soon indeed Mm -hmm. and we will be saying thank you in just a sec to a couple of new patrons as well yes we will so hang about after the show we are back this friday talking the exorcist 2 with dean capsalis join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds goodbye bye guys Hey guys, just popping back to say a couple of thank yous to a couple of new patrons. Mm-hmm. First up, Per Skirsch. Thanks for joining in, Per. Good to have you here. Absolutely. And Andrew Barron. Andrew, thanks so much. It's been really fun hearing from you the last few weeks, so thanks for stepping up and getting involved. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. You make this possible, and we can't thank you enough. We're back Friday. See you then. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 